last week at training camp, uh, we had some fun times realizing that Mike really liked to um, to snore in the middle of the night, and so I decided to get my. That's not me. You're right. I decided to get my recorder yeah. out at four in the morning, and and uh, we got a couple of these little nuggets. You weren't even my roommate. <laughs> Almost inhuman. Plausible it's incredible. De- that's plausible deniability. There, you yeah. weren't even. You my weren't room- even my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we discovered that he liked to snore quite a bit. Oh, geez. God. <laughs> and so, like Simon and Garfunkel, uh, took one of the famous Simon and Garfunkel songs, "The Boxer," and they gave us this: "The Snorer." <laughs> <laughs> Just an old man and my story's often told Every day from three to seven I ramble on and on, it makes me sleepy I yawn and stretch, still I have to talk some baseball To tell you who can pitch and catch Start to get real tired Well, I try to drink a Coke But the sugar makes me nervous It also makes me constipated I can't poop <laughs> Laying low, gazing at the hardline minions As the Sandman ties the noose Looking at the Cobra He is such a douche <laughs> La-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
here is the way we're going with this. How is this guy, they caught him, by the way, but how has he not been institutionalized before? Because Man, I don't he know. Sounds like he's got a history that would stun a mastodon. Is nuts. I don't even know where to start with the guy. You might as well start with the fact that I guess he was on the national radar as far as the feds go not too terribly long ago because he wandered over to the White House and uh, was arrested for trespassing and being in a restricted area saying that it was his right to walk those grounds and that all he wanted to do was visit with the president for a little bit. Right. And he couldn't understand why they wouldn't allow him to do this. What was the title that he gave himself uh, when he was at the White House, claiming to be some? Oh, type that's of, right. Yeah, yeah. It, some it, type of citizen. It, it was. Is, it was a group, though, that he was kind of linking himself. With. I don't think he was it referring to something that was individual or a group. I thought it was a group. Individual. I'll figure it out. Well, whatever the case, you know. He's arrested, and uh, the dude lives in Illinois, and he's, what, 29 years old? Yeah. And that's where the thing starts going way off the rails. So if you want to back up a little bit, before all the White House things took place, there was the Taylor Swift incident. Not that he was stalking Taylor Swift. It's that whoever would listen to this guy... He would tell them that Taylor Swift was stalking him. And, by the way, we're bearing the lead here, too. This guy's name uh, is Rinking. Travis Rinking. Travis Rinking. Yes. 29-year-old Travis Rinking. Even sounds like a nut job. He looks like a nut job, too. So he's telling everybody that Taylor Swift is... Uh, is stalking him that she asked to meet him at a Dairy Queen and that when he went to the Dairy Queen she ran away he's telling authorities this he's telling his parents this he told a uh, a sergeant that people were quote tapping into his computer and phone and barking like dogs outside of his home and this was last year rough he said he was being watched and that people were baiting him into breaking the law and that everything started after he began writing to Taylor Swift and she started stalking him. Mm-hmm. Then there was the gun thing. He really liked guns. And he was somehow able to uh, amass quite the arsenal, including the AR-15, of course, which was what he used at the Waffle House to kill four people. By the way, the story about the guy, did you read the story about the guy that, that broke this thing up? Oh, hell yeah. Dude. Yeah, the only that, way to stop a guy, a bad guy with a gun is a good guy without a gun, apparently. Right. Because as he went to reload, that dude said, I'm going in. And he went in and grabbed the butt of that gun and the barrel of the gun and mm. chucked it right over the bar of Waffle House. And that's when Travis Rinking... And he did get grazed. He took a shot. Yeah, he did. Like, he took a uh, shot in the forearm. And uh, burned his hand pretty bad by holding the, the muzzle of the, the rifle. Right. So the guy walked out. Did you see what he was wearing? Nothing except a jacket. He was nude from the waist down. He went in there to commit mass murder nude. Yeah. 
He referred to himself with the White House incident as a sovereign citizen, means that which a sovereign citizen can become immune to most or all laws of the United States yeah. by renouncing all their right. citizenship. Which gives him the right to walk around nude, huh? Yeah, and he demanded to was see the nude? president and told the Secret Service or whoever the security was on site there, hey, go ahead and arrest me if you if you have to. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and do that. Thanks, Travis. One year ago, his, his dad owned some sort of business called J&J Cranes. Crane. Crane. And somebody called uh, the sheriff's office out in Illinois to report that Ranking came down from his apartment wearing a pink dress and holding a rifle. The employees told uh, police that Ranking yelled, Is this what you effing want? before he threw his rifle in his trunk and left in pink dress. Then, about the same time, there was a public pool incident, and according to the pool director... A man in his 20s barged into the pool wearing a pink women's house coat. The man dove into the pool and took off the coat and swam around in his underwear. When he got out of the pool, he shouted at lifeguards that he was a man and exposed his genitals to them. And he has guns. Several. And they took his guns away. They did. Because they were like, this guy's nuts. No guns for you, sir. Yes, you can't have gun. And so what did they do? Did they end up giving the guns to his father? I believe that's Is that the correct. way you read that, Danny? Yeah. He, they were, the police seized his guns and his dad gave them back. On August 24th, they seized four firearms and ammunition from his apartment, along with his state firearm owner's identification. Investigators believe that he returned... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. According to the incident report, officers released the firearms and ammo to his father, who they believe returned the guns to his son. Yeah. One of those four weapons was the AR-15-style rifle recovered from the, the shooting scene. Okay, so now this will lead to the question of, is the father complicit? I would think so. Oh, uh, man. You know your son yeah, is they, bat s crazy, and, and they the, took and the law guns. law enforcement, yeah, deemed it <laughs> deemed him nuts enough to take his weapons away, and you gave them back to him? I mean, there's a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. There's he's, quite a bit of blood on your hands, oh, fella. Oh, yeah. He's complicit. And then they arrested him in the woods? Yeah, I kid, anybody can get a gun pretty much at any time. Yeah. I just like the idea of making it really difficult for people like this. What did this guy have to do to stay in jail or get committed why Probably wasn't he in somebody... an insane asylum? I don't know. He's obviously insane. I mean, just from the White House thing alone, much less the pink dress. I mean, and somebody pink has to and... commit him, have him committed. And apparently, his father didn't think he was crazy enough not to not be committed, but to have have his guns back. Man, we're not even mentioning the fact that there was this huge uh, truck. Uh, collision in Toronto that killed nine people. Nine people are dead, 16 injured after a driver of the van plowed into multiple pedestrians in Toronto today. No motive yet? No. And you saw the thing at the Ikea in Grand Prairie, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Is that where the guy got killed? Yeah. By armed security? What happened there? We'll have that probably on Community Quick Hits. Yeah, let's do that in Community Quick Hits. But yeah, this this story for me is all about 
I mean, the laundry list of things that this guy has done and he's still walking around is amazing to me. The laundry list of things wrong with this story. And from yeah, every angle is amazing. And the fact that Pops handed him an AR-15. That guy is going to jail. And probably deserves to be in jail for a really long time. He should. And, and the he's fact complicit. that he escaped and lived in the woods for a day and a half. Is that where he was? Yeah, the he was woods? In, a, in the woods behind his apartment. Wow. Hmm. But they got a tip from a tipster, as they like to be referred to, and the cops got him today, this afternoon. Well, there's a place for the tipster in this world. The ticket. Well, up there in that New York, they are all in a tizzy today because it has been made known that what was being whispered about for the last few days is indeed fact Mike Francesa is coming back yeah he is to WFAN sports radio the Pope will return after only four months of retirement so they made this big huge to do about him going away and it was a year long you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar send-off and blah, 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 blah. And this idiot goes four months and then is like, yeah, I'll, I'll take my job back. Yeah. And as details are emerging about this story, there are two things that are very, very apparent, Corby. Number one, he was desperate to get back on the air. What happened in the four months? I don't know. I guess he just didn't have anything else to do with himself. And it was making him crazy. Uh, that's one of the things that's very apparent. The other is how disappointed, pissed, bummed out, however you want to put it, everybody at the station is with this news. Because they hated him? Because they hate him. Um, Andrew Marchand of the New York Post says that he was making three M million a year <laughs> God. at the time of his retirement. For opening up the phones and taking a thousand phone calls and then falling asleep while he's on the air. He will take a significant pay cut to rejoin the station. And the thing that probably has people up in uproar more than anything else is that he went over the head of his longtime boss and went corporate to get this done. His boss is Mark Chernoff, who I believe back in the day was Howard Stern's boss, the program director at that station in New York that Stern did his thing on. He's been at w WFAN for a long time. Is He's this the guy Pig Vomit? Who... No, I don't think this was Pig Vomit. Pig Vomit was earlier in Howard's career. It seemed that for all the grief Stern gave Mark Chernoff, they, they did okay together because Chernoff would let him do whatever he wanted. But um, he went over his head and went to David Field, who was the president of the WFAN parent company, Inter Intercom, 
to negotiate his deal. And they say he will be back on WFAN early next month. He will be on from 3 to 6.30 Eastern Time. The show that they had put in place featuring Chris Carlin, Maggie Gray, and Bart Scott and was, by all accounts, terrible. Again, what makes his show good? He doesn't do anything. But he's Mike Francesa. They will be moving from 1 to 3, and Evan Roberts and Joe Benigno are going to go from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Wonderful. Four months. Yeah. Which means that how long did he actually make it before he starts trying to go above everybody's head at that radio station? This has probably been going on for the last couple of months. Yeah, it probably has. These, These processes take a little bit of time. So, I don't know. He might not have even made it two months into retirement before he said, oh, man, what have I done? That's so sad. And I wonder if he called them and said, hey, can I come back? Or if he just circulated this idea out there through back channels, told somebody who told somebody, and finally it made its way around to Mark Chernoff that, hey, I want to come back. And, well, that's the thing. Did Chernoff deny it? Did he just be like, what? No, you're done. Did that, Then that's another Man, thing. Uh, from the, the, the tone of the, this story that I'm looking at and every story that I've read, because it's all over the papers. Oh, yeah. I mean, it dominates the papers in New York today. But from every story I've read, nobody, including Chernoff, wanted him back, even though the show that they put together in his place was just dying. So how do they allow that? Is it this business? I know it's a screwed-up business, and it's all about ratings and all that, money and everything else. But, I mean, if somebody is that loathed at their workplace and a guy that, you know, again, I don't know if he was forced out or what. This sounds like a Jay Leno situation more than anything. A guy yeah. that, like... It's being compared to that. That Leno kind of, you know, okay, just kind of go along with it. Didn't really want it to happen, but understood it was for the greater good, and you had other people that were going to replace you and all that. I mean, it, this is what it sounds like. And then it didn't work out or whatever. They gave it four months, which, which is about as long as they gave Conan, right? Yeah. Conan did not last more than six months at The Tonight Show before Leno came back. Or they, they asked Leno to come back. Mm-hmm. But the differences between Jay Leno and this asshat is that Jay Leno was tolerable, from what I've read at least. He was nice. He was a nice guy. Yeah. This guy is a jerk and does nothing. And he hates and you. Yeah. And is not well liked by anybody on no. the inside up there. No. How? But I, I guess when you are, when your name is so big. And you've been in that market for so long and done what he's done in that market for so long. If you want to get the ear of the big guy, the guy over Mark Chernoff, or the guy over whoever the station manager is, the big corporate guy, the Lou Dickey, if you will, right? you can do it. And that's apparently what he did. He, he got on the phone with David Field, and they worked it out, and... Just like that, here he is. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, he surely knows. He probably reads everything and consumes 
everything that's written about him. He's fully aware of these stories that are circulating and how much he is low. Oh, there's no doubt. And what these people actually think of him. There's no doubt. And you know what? He doesn't care. The ticket. And take a few moments to discuss one of our longtime colleagues and friends who we were very sad to learn yesterday had passed on to the next plane this past Saturday. This may or may not be a name that a lot of you know, but if you've been to a game at the new stadium, you have heard his work because for some years he has been the man at the PA out there. He is Roger Emmerich, a longtime friend of ours. In fact, Roger is one of the first guys that I met when I was breaking into the business back in the 80s. That's how far back he and I go. He was one of the first guys that I met breaking into it in the 90s because he was always at stuff. He is always at stuff. He's one of those guys who was everywhere. He knew everybody. Everybody knew him. I don't know if he knew everything, but he certainly knew his share of stuff. And he was the most awesome, most gregarious guy that you could possibly imagine. One of the most fun guys that I've ever run across during my time in the game. He always had a story and was always upbeat, always glad to see you despite the myriad of health issues he had run into over the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years or so. He used to be a man of considerable size, lost a lot of that some way, somehow. I don't know if, if I don't know what the process there was or if that was because of his ailments or, or what. How did he lose that, Ty? I think he got the thumb stomach. He did, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. That may have led um, on to other things. But despite it all, if Roger ever had a bad day, nobody ever knew. When did you meet him? You know, it's funny. The My first day at KRLD slash Texas State Network – he was the Austin bureau chief for the network doing news, but he'd always wanted to do sports. Well, the same day I started in 1993 was his first day from Austin moving up to Dallas. So wow. that's how I met him, first day. Yeah, I met him in the mid-'90s when I first started up here, and they threw me on as one of the reporters on the Cowboy Beat. So I'm always going out to practices, and I'm always covering games and stuff like that. And so the road trips at the time – you know, I I wasn't like a I wasn't very well traveled <laughs> growing up mm-hmm. and go to a lot of places and I could not believe that I was getting to go to Chicago and New York and and Washington and places like that that I'd never been to before. Well, Raj had been doing that for for a while and being on the Cowboy beat and so one of the first times I think the first game I ever went to was in Washington, first trip I ever took. And you get on the Cowboy charter. And I know we've told this story before, but it's worth repeating when you get on there you know, you're flying with the team, and they put the media in the very back, and we're all hanging out together. There's always a contingent of, I don't know, 12, 15 people back there, and you're yucking it up, and I sat next to Raj. And again, Raj was a man of, of size back then, and so mm-hmm. the Cowboys, once you get there, there's like a sack of food sack. that they give you. A huge sack Snacks, of food. Snacks, candy oh. bars, full-size like candy a, bars, yeah, f- sandwich. A huge sandwich. And, you know, me, 
If I'm given food, I'm eating food. And I'm like, oh my God, this is magical. And I'm gnawing down on the sandwich, and Raj is sitting next to me the whole time. I'm eating a Kit Kat, you know, and just shoving it. He's like... Because you think you're never going to eat again on the road trip. Exactly. you got to eat it all. And he goes, partner, that's fool's gold, what you're eating right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, they're about to serve the good stuff once we get in the air. I'm like, oh. And I didn't know that... You'd get a steak and lobster and anything else yeah, you man. wanted when you're up in the air. And he's just sitting there watching me just <laughs> shove food. The minute I sit in my seat, I'm like, <gasps> food, you know, and just eating like a horse. <laughs> I'm sure you ate whatever they served once well, you got up, too. Yeah, probably so. Well, but that was always did a... Did he kind of show you the ropes a little absolutely bit? Absolutely, he did. As... It was always a treat flying up there with, with Raj. Um, you know, Raj would talk your ear off, but the stories were always great. Oh, God, were they ever. My first experience with them was really where my first experience with just about everybody in this business was. The bathroom? No, the press <laughs> box at Arlington Stadium. Oh. Well, gonna always, all I can think of is Norm. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of what that sounded like. <laughs> Everywhere you go. How do I always end up in here? But, yeah, it was at the press box at Arlington Stadium, and there you have lots of time for lots of different stories. And, man, Roger held court. Every single night we would hear tales of seeing Zebra in New Orleans and Uriah Heep in Montreal. and just Never met a guy in my life that liked Zebra more than Roger Emmerich, man. <laughs> zebra! And I remember telling him, he's telling me all these stories about seeing Zebra. I'm like, dude, why are you so into Zebra? Because, Padna, that's the best there is. <laughs> yeah, and you were always Padna with yeah. Padna. <laughs> Even I was Padna. <laughs> But it was great, man. He was so nice. He was just a oh, just a big ball just of the love. Sweetest guy you could possibly imagine. And man, this just saddens me to no end. He spent most of his years at KRLD and the Texas State Network, but he also would fill in on the morning show on KEOM every now and then. That being that Mesquite, Mesquite High School, Mesquite School Radio High School Radio Station, where he would roll the '70s hits in the morning. And, and man, that's the disco he, station. He was a radio, maybe one of the last true radio giants. Where he did everything, he was all over the place. Yeah, I mean, he could do everything. He had done everything. He was just a golden, golden, larger than life personality. His son, Ted, is in the game, and boy. Ted is you, great. You think that guy is going places? He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. And, you know, Roger was so, I remember, you know, when he was a little bitty kid, Ted. Yeah. You know, Ted now is what, 30 mm-hmm. something? Yeah, 30, 31. Yeah. And, and doing the Masters. Yeah, doing the Masters. I remember when, when he was so small and, and Roger talking about Teddy. and My boy, my Teddy. Boy Teddy. My yeah, boy, and Teddy. And he loved that kid. I mean, we all love our kids, but it was great to hear him talk about him. And whenever he was breaking into the to the game, into radio, I was like, man, you really think that this is a good idea? Oh, Teddy, was, he's just, Teddy's going to kill it out there, partner. He's going to kill it. And he was right. He was right. Teddy's yeah, awesome. He was right. He did. And he raised... As, as nice a man as, as, as Big Raj was, 
Teddy's right yeah, there with him. Apple did not fall no. far from the tree. He's a great, great guy. I knew, uh, you know, Ted, like you said, he was real young. And that's when, when I started in 93, Teddy was six, seven, eight years old, whatever. Yeah. And, and there were summers where they didn't have a babysitter available. So he would bring Ted up and Ted would be, he would get in a rolling chair and just roll back and forth in the newsroom. And poor Roger just <laughs> po- apologizing to everybody. Sorry, Pod. No, I'm sorry about <laughs> Teddy. Teddy, calm down. <laughs> Man, he was one of a kind, and if you know him, you are going to miss him terribly. Yeah, and and just to know, um, if you want to know what that guy meant to all of us and to the people in the media, Ted posted something about him yesterday. And the laundry list of of Dallas radio, TV personalities that responded to Ted Mm -hmm. about Raj was... Man, it, it warms your heart. It yeah. was really, really cool. Yeah, he was one of a kind. And, man, it's a sad day in the game, let me tell you. He sounds to me like a guy that found his scene, found his people early on, and never took it for granted. No. That's exactly what he was. And you know what? Just real quick, he was so – somehow he and my mother-in-law um, had uh, a connection. They worked out at the same place, I, I think is what it was. And when she told him that, oh, my son-in-law does this and that, he befriended her and she would have stories for days about Roger and talking with Roger and how sweet he was. I mean, he was this way with everybody. Yeah. Everybody. He was just a truly, truly extraordinary, one-of-a-kind cat. 62. Too young Stay hard, Raj. Mm. The Raj Mahal checks out.